Good day, Crime Talk aficionados. We have a great show for you today. First, what are the prosecutors doing in the Delphi homicide case? If you hate Alec Murdoch, you will love this video that was just released. The armorer charged for the fatality on the Rust set received some bad news from the judge. A special ed teacher wanted to make sure her students felt special. And if guilty, this woman should go to prison forever. And yes, there was love in the air yesterday for Valentine's Day. We'll explain. And then finally, our dumb criminal of the day. Let's talk about it. Hi, lawyer. 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 Good day, everyone. My name is Scott Reich, and this is Crime Talk. Thanks for joining us. You know the drill. Subscribe if you haven't. Like if you do. Leave me a comment below and make sure you hit that little bell for notifications. And yes, you can listen to us anytime on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Well, it is uh, the day after Valentine's Day. Hopefully all your Valentine's wishes came true. I'm sure some of us out there failed to meet expectations. Anyway, let's get to the docket for February 15th of 2024. And first on the docket, what are the prosecutors doing in the Delphi homicide case? Remember, they have a double homicide that took police some seven years to make an arrest, mostly because of some filing paperwork errors on the part of the FBI contract employee. They're getting spanked early in motions practice, and it makes the prosecutors and the police lot look so great. But as you may recall, remember the old new attorneys on the Delphi case? Well. Now the prosecutor wants to hold them in contempt of court for the attorney's friend slash former employee removing items from their law office. And guess what? There's going to be a hearing on March 18th, and the prosecutor is going to call witnesses to bolster their allegations of contempt of court against the two attorneys representing the Delphi suspect, Mr. Richard Allen. So the prosecutors over there um, in Carroll County, a guy by the name of Nicholas McClellan, filed a notice yesterday indicating that he has shared with Allen's attorney the names of the witnesses and the exhibits that he is going to present in front of the special judge, Judge Francis C. Gull, as it relates to the contempt proceeding. And I'm sure Judge Francis Seagull will find the attorneys in contempt. They have all but said, uh, I guess we should have done a better job. Uh, who would have thought that a former office employee slash friend would have taken photographs without our knowledge while they were left alone in the law firm? Is that contemptuous? Yes. Now, normally when something like this takes place, it is at the end of the proceedings. It's at the end of the case, and then they say, okay, by the way, now we're gonna deal with those contempt proceedings against the, the attorneys. Why are the prosecutors trying to do this? Is it because they don't want these attorneys on the case? Because they're spanking them around maybe a little bit? I think that's it. You would think these prosecutors, that frankly, if you look at the filings, and I get it, the judge dismissed it, but when you read it, you think, yep, I have some doubt here that Mr. Allen, giving him the presumption of innocence, but if what they say he did in the amount of time that he did it 
he clearly wasn't acting alone. Doesn't relieve him of any criminal liability if a jury believes that he is in fact the killer. However, it makes you think that maybe the investigation was a little flawed. So I would think the prosecutors would be focusing more upon preparing their case and getting the case to trial so there are no further delays in this particular matter. But no, no, they want to have a contempt proceeding as it relates to the attorney. I wonder if the judge has done that, put that suggestion into the uh, prosecutor's heads to move forward on that. The uh, prosecutor additionally asked uh, Judge Gall to order the attorneys, uh, Brad Rossi and Andrew Baldwin, as well as their attorneys, a guy by the name of David Hennessy, to share their witness and exhibit lists before March 7th so that uh, there's no uh, delay. Uh, the judge hasn't made any orders just yet, but more than likely that's what will take place. Now, uh, as you may recall, Mr. Allen is charged with the uh, murder and kidnapping back in February 13th of 2017 regarding the deaths of Livy German and Abby Williams. They were allegedly abducted from the hiking trail near the Monon High Bridge east of Delphi, Indiana, and then killed on the north bank of the Deer Creek about a quarter mile from the bridge. Their bodies were found the following morning. Nearly six years later, police arrested Allen. Now remember, Mr. Allen went to the police shortly after the case started, the investigation started, and said, hey, I was in the area, and the FBI, through their crack team of investigators misfiled it and then six years later they're like hey we're going to take a fresh look at this and somebody realized hey did anybody look at this piece of paper shoved in this file over here hey we should probably go talk to this richard allen guy anyway this case um let's just say it has uh, been somewhat highlighted by the legal bickering uh between the uh, prosecution and the defense and not to mention the judge and the defense. Now, the judge in this particular case got spanked by the Indiana Supreme Court for her conduct, whereby she dismissed Mr. Rossi and Mr. Baldwin, basically without cause, and um, really didn't like that. And so then she summarily denied motions that normally would require an evidentiary hearing, at least you would think so, given the nature uh, and the uh, the specificity that was laid out in those particular motions, but the court denied it on the paper, on all fours, and said that was it. So there's been a lot of animosity there. Clearly, it runs not only from the judge to the defense, but the prosecution to the defense. And um, the prosecution is clearly looking to establish uh, their dominance in this particular case by filing the motion for contempt. So we'll see how that goes. But you would think the prosecutors, you know, mistakes happen. Like when prosecutors accidentally turn over stuff that they shouldn't have or they turn it over late. Geez, maybe they should be held in contempt, don't you think? Well, of course not. They're just the government. They're just a bunch of good old guys in white hats doing their job the best they can with limited resources. And uh, we just can't be doing that. But the defense makes a mistake. Oh, boy. What are we going to do? Throw him in jail for six months? That's one way of doing it, I guess. Anyway, the judge did deny the motion to recuse herself uh, in this particular case, given her uh, actions. Um, it was denied. No indication that the uh, defense has appealed it. I think they're just going to go forward and say, let's go to trial. Next, if you hate 
Alec Murdoch, and I know a lot of you do, you're going to love this video because it is a video that has recently been released showing Alec Murdoch, who was convicted of killing his wife, uh, Abby, and uh, son, Paul, for um, when he got arrested when he was coming out of the uh, drug rehabilitation uh, center back in October of 2021. As you may recall, after Maggie and Paul were killed, and there were some weird issues regarding Alec Murdoch. He immediately checked himself into a drug treatment center saying that he had an opioid addiction. And that's where the money must have all gone. But it didn't quite really work out that way. We still really don't know where all the money went. We just know a lot of it was stolen. Anyway, some people like to see other people suffer in misery and know that bad things are about to um, happen. So here's the video of, of outside the Evolve Recovery Center in Florida. Like I said, he had just been uh, released for drug and alcohol abuse. It shows Murdoch standing outside the uh, building, drinking some water, and then they allow him to uh, chug the water. And then uh, guess what? He gets handcuffed. And uh, in the uh, video, the uh, deputies search Murdoch's pockets, and they pull out several items, including tobacco and a box of Benadryl. Uh, officers can be heard counting prescription bottles that were inside a bag that Murdoch had with him uh, when they arrived. And uh, as Mr. Murdoch sits in the uh, backseat of the police car, he sees deputies holding the bag of his medications and says, hey, can I have one of those? Yeah, he apparently had an upset tummy. He was prescribed some uh, pills for that as well. Uh, needless to say, he was arrested down there in Orange County, down in uh, Florida. October 14th, 2021, and um, you know how it ends from there. And what I do find interesting is when we covered the Alec Murdoch case, which we've been covering literally from the beginning, from the boat crash, um, when Mallory Beach was killed in that particular case, I used to always get comments and emails from a subscriber that said that they were a relative of Alec Murdoch and that I was committing blasphemy and all kinds of other allegations that I was a horrible person, that Alec Murdoch was innocent of all of the charges and that everything would be fine. I haven't heard from that gentleman in a while. I think I even told him, if you think he's so innocent, come on the show, let's talk about it. He didn't. And when Alec Murdoch said he did it, that's when we finally started you know, not getting so many comments from that particular individual. But hey, to each his own. We understand sometimes if you're family, you got to stand behind your family member. Or sometimes you can say, wow, really love my family member, but certainly not condoning what he did. But let me tell you all the good things he may have done. Just don't be an enabler. That's all I'm saying. Next on Rust, the uh, armorer got some bad news. So the uh, manslaughter trial for the Rust Armorer, Hannah Gutierrez, will be allowed to hear that she was allegedly boozing and using marijuana and possibly cocaine up to the night before Alec Baldwin fatally shot the cinematographer, Helena Hutchins. So the New Mexico judge ruled yesterday that the special prosecutors can present text messages in which Gutierrez alluded to drug use during her off time on the Santa Fe set. Some of those messages were sent to other crew members, um, some on October 20th, 2021, the night before the fatal shooting. One reads, I might go smoke in the jacuzzi soon. 
and headed down to get high out back. Now, prosecutors plan to use these uh, to suggest that the uh, armorer may have been hung over the next day when a live bullet was loaded into uh, the uh, alleged prop gun that Alec Baldwin used. The prosecutor intends to call a witness who claimed that Gutierrez Reed gave her a small bag of a white, unknown powdery substance for safekeeping just hours after the uh, Santa Fe Sheriff deputies began questioning her. She brought live rounds onto a movie set. She failed to discover them for 12 days. She loaded one of them into a gun, an actor, and a very foreseeably then manipulated it, and somebody died, is what the argument the prosecutor is stating. Now, Miss Gutierrez was taken to the police station to give a statement, and after she got back from giving her statement, she took what appeared, and what our witnesses would testify, was a bag of cocaine, the unknown white powdery substance, and handed it to her and said, hang on to this for me, because she was under investigation. It's the exact same connection you would see with any tampering charge, the prosecutors noted, and the deputies did not recover any evidence of drugs on the set during their investigation of the film. Uh, the crew members uh, were not tested for drugs or alcohol on the site uh, when they arrived at the sheriff's stations for questioning. Days later, prosecutors argued that Gutierrez sent the crew member a text saying, hey, I may be coming to Albuquerque tonight, and I was wondering if I can get that stuff. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more, say no more. Well, when the prosecutors later asked the woman what the stuff was that Gutierrez was uh, possibly referring to, she responded, uh, a bag of cocaine? Now, Gutierrez's attorneys, a guy by the name of Todd Bullion, argued that the virtual pre-trial hearing uh, that took place uh, basically is that the state has no evidence that she was impaired on the set on the day of the fatal shooting. He called disclosures about her alleged drug use and overreach that is extremely prejudicial to the jury. I'm sure they will be making some 401, 403 objections, 404B, but they, being the prosecutors, want the jury to assume that at some point prior to going to work, Ms. Gutierrez was ingesting cocaine. They have no evidence whether she actually did this, her attorneys note, and they have no evidence to uh, show how much cocaine would have been consumed or how it would have affected Miss Gutierrez Reed. Now, the defense is going to argue that Hutchins' death was the result of a series of missteps brought about by extreme pressure from the production managers to finish the movie early. The attorneys note that Gutierrez had requested more time to train Alec Baldwin on the weapons, but the production manager denied that request. Uh, she's also going to argue that on the day that she had to train Baldwin on how to use the guns, he was apparently quite distracted on the phone talking to his family back in New York. And defense attorneys have also floated the theory that she may have been the victim of sabotage, that perhaps the rounds may have become uh, uh, familiar or put, placed on the property uh, by a prop supplier by the name of Seth Kenny. We'll just have to wait and see. The defense noted at the hearing that they have plenty of evidence. It was someone else who brought live rounds to the set. Now, as you may recall, we talked about this a while ago. There was a report from the New Mexico Occupational Safety Division, their version of OSHA, that concluded that the producers were also to blame for Hutchins' death 
by allowing for a work set rife with safety violations. Now, the, uh, the judge agreed that those safety violations could be included in the defense arguments and ruled that the text messages, as well as allegations that Gutierrez kept live ammunition in her hotel room, would be permissible to be heard by the jury. But she expressed doubt that the state had enough evidence to connect the alleged drug use to any impairment on the set. Well, you would think then that it wouldn't come in. That's what causes legal error. When in doubt, don't let it in, judge. Anyway, Gutierrez's trial uh, on the charge of involuntary manslaughter and um, the alleged evidence tampering is scheduled to begin jury selection next Wednesday. It ought to be very interesting. You know who will be watching? Alec Baldwin's attorneys for sure maybe even Alec Baldwin, because he would face the same penalty that she would if she was convicted, which would be 18 months behind bars. Next, a special ed teacher trying to make her students feel special. That's right, a special education teacher and the dance team coach faces criminal sexual conduct charges after she allegedly engaged in inappropriate conduct with one of her students and bought some alcohol for the student, you know, to loosen things up just a little bit. Anyway, Anne Margaret Bacon told police that she apparently engaged in this inappropriate conduct with this 18-year-old student in a hotel room in Minnesota. She was charged, in, appeared in court in the Ramsey County District Court with felony third-degree criminal sexual conduct allegations. Now, although the student was 18, an adult, uh, when the encounter took place, guess what? You can't do that when you're a teacher and you're in a position of trust. Well, guess what? She can still be fired and charged under state law that govern the acts of professional misconduct. She was charged. Now, the uh, former teacher was arrested after the school resource officer and the school administrators notified the local police about her alleged sexual acts and the alcohol purchases, according to the affidavit for the arrest warrant. And according to that affidavit, she told the police that her relationship with the student started in July and that she had previously, you know, engaged in these inappropriate uh, conduct with the student as far back as May. The teacher also added that she had rented a hotel room a handful of times to have sex, the inappropriate sexual contact, uh, with the student. Why, you may ask, because it was somewhere a little more romantic? No because the teacher was living in her parents' basement. Anyway, the complaint also alleges that uh, in the investigation, it was revealed that Miss Bacon met with the unidentified teen five times between May and July 4th, all corroborated by hotel records. Can you imagine what they're going to find on her phone? Now, Miss Bacon attended her first court appearance uh, yesterday and will be back in court for a pre-trial hearing on March 20th. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the special ed teacher trying to make the students feel special. It's unclear if the student that was being made special was actually special, but it doesn't really matter now, does it? Or maybe it was, I don't know. Who knows? Now she's the special one. She's going to be so special. She's going to have to register as a sexual offender, probably for most of her life. I'm guessing she's not going to be, she's not going to be a, a teacher anymore. That's for sure. And if she did show up, you would hope that their employer would go to crimetalksearch.com and do that 
criminal background search, you know, get that subscription, use it on everybody. Just saying, anyone coming new to your life, crimetalksearch.com. All right, there's a shameless plug, but it just seemed right. Next, if this woman did this, she probably needs to go to prison for the rest of her life. Now, obviously, we give everyone accused of a crime and not convicted yet, been pled, pled guilty, we give them the presumption of innocence. But once that presumption's gone, then we can say what they need to be sentenced to. So when and if that presumption is gone, Shantice Norton, you know, common spelling, uh, if she is convicted, she needs to go to prison for the rest of her life. Why you may say is that, Scott? Well, police allege that back on February 5th, Shantice, common spelling, shot Jonathan Mauk to death in a Walmart parking lot because Mr. Mauk was out running errands. And apparently, as Mr. Mauk was in the parking lot, it was about 8 p.m. or so, he was searching for an open spot. As he was uh, kind of maneuvering around vehicles uh, through the uh, aisle, the female suspect, Miss Norton, was backing out of the parking spot. And for whatever reason, the victim stopped and slowed and backed his vehicle up. And that's when he had a collision with the suspect's vehicle. No one was hurt in the cl collision whatsoever. A minor scratch on the car. But when Mr. Malk got out of his vehicle to apologize, according to the police, Miss Norton allegedly got out of her vehicle and shot him in the face and then drove off. I think that's pretty cold-blooded. I think that's murder after deliberation. If someone's gonna get that upset, I mean, I don't know what kind of car she was driving, but I'm guessing Miss Norton wasn't driving like an exotic sports car or a Rolls Royce or something. I don't know, maybe she's a millionaire parking the Bentley out back, but she likes to save pennies at Walmart. I don't know. But if you're gonna shoot somebody over a car interaction like that, you've got some impulse control issues and you probably can't function in society. I'm just going on a limb there. That's all I'm saying. Next on the docket, nothing says love like giving your mate someone else's stuff. <laughs> That's right. A man allegedly gifted his ex-girlfriend in an attempt to reunite the old flame two crane statues, you know, of the birds, in an attempt to make good with her. Only apparently it turned out they were somebody else's cranes. So apparently the victim of the stolen cranes realized back in January that the uh, two statutes of the Sand Hill cranes, large birds known for their long necks, uh, were missing from the yard. Uh, the victim apparently discovered this and became quite upset that they had been stolen. And the uh, victim advised that the uh, statutes were approximately uh, worth about $150 each and that no one had permission to take them from her yard. The elements of the offense there. You notice that, ladies and gentlemen? They were mine. Somebody took them without permission. That makes it theft. And apparently, the victim, to make it even more sad and pathetic, received the statutes from her late husband, and they were special to her. Anyway, the deputies uh, had surveillance footage showing an unidentified man at the time riding his bike in the subdivision where the woman lives. He apparently stopped in front of the woman's home and actually is on video taking the two statutes that are about four feet tall. Now remember, he's on his bike, ladies and gentlemen. So he's riding his bike in the middle of the night, riding with two four-foot crane statutes on his bike. I mean, either this guy's dumb or he's really in love. 
Anyway, on February the 7th, the detective who was assigned uh, uh, to the case cracked the case by canvassing the uh, neighborhood. And what did he find? You betcha, two Sandhill Crane statutes in the front yard of another home. Now, the resident of the other home with the two stolen cranes told the police that uh, a Mr. Lewis, her ex-boyfriend, brought the two statutes to her home about a week ago. He apparently uh, brought them over while riding a bike in the middle of the night, is what the woman said. And uh, Mr. Lewis allegedly uh, told the woman that he gave the cranes to, that the uh, statutes were for her because cranes made for life, and that he was committed to being with her and was trying to be romantic. Now, she did deny that uh, she knew that the uh, cranes were stolen because that would be theft by receiving. So at least she's smarter than Mr. Lewis. And uh, she said, hey, they were given as a gift, but if if they were stolen, please take them away. Now, the woman asked the alleged thief, Mr. Lewis, where he got those statutes. Well, he referred to him as the getting place where he gets all his stuff apparently for free. Anyway, the woman apparently was quite mortified upon learning the uh, truth. Um, I'm not sure if she was mortified that the cranes were stolen or that maybe the boyfriend is kind of a creep. Anyway, not really sure. The cranes were returned to the victim though, just in time for Valentine's Day. Now, Mr. Lewis is charged with uh, felony petite theft and dealing in stolen property in this matter. And guess what? He's been locked up for drugs, resisting obstruction, and um, he has apparently 39 previous burglaries and theft charges. Now, the affidavit describes that he had uh, convictions for theft back in 2011, 2013, and 2016. So ladies, um, I'm telling you, if somebody shows up with a couple of cranes uh, in the middle of the night, on his bike, I'm telling you, he's a catch, and you need to you need to get all over this guy. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not. Okay, I know I'm gonna get so much trouble for this, but I get it. You know, and I and I had a mountain bike, but listen, adult men don't ride bikes. Okay, they move on to cars, they move on to motorcycles, they move on to uh, airplanes. Okay, bikes are for small children. Okay, only reason adult males ride bikes is because, well, they don't have a license, probably from multiple DUIs. Just saying. I know you're going to say, oh, it's, it's a form of exercise. It's a form of exercise. I get it. You, you can ride a Peloton. You don't go riding your bike in the middle of the night. Just saying. All right. I said it. Bring it on. Tell me how I don't know anything. Anyway, finally today, our dumb criminal of the day. Now, this involves, and you probably wouldn't know this, but this involves my favorite food. And you may say, Scott, what is your favorite food? I mean, I have lots of favorite foods, obviously, but I acquired a taste for this food item when I lived in the South, and it's called grits. It is the greatest delicacy ever created. You can put them, anything in it, shrimp, butter, anything, eggs, put them on top, the best thing ever. One of my goals in life is to be able to make the perfect grits because it's not easy. So anyway, 
On to our dumb criminal of the day. There was an argument in a kitchen that turned a little violent between Jaquila, common spelling, Mobley, and uh, when she allegedly grabbed some of the grits being cooked by her mother and it hit her in the face. The victim, Ella Johnson, told the police that Ms. Mobley had been drinking and using drugs, and then when she does that, she allegedly becomes aggressive. Johnson added that uh, she did not want to contact the police since the matter was uh, a juvenile at its core. Now, the uh, sheriff's deputies who responded to the residents observed and noted dried grits on the side of the victim's face, as well as matching grits on the kitchen counter in the nearby dustpan. Needless to say, Ms. Mobley was arrested for battery, and it is a misdemeanor, thank God, and booked into the Marion County Jail, where she is being held on a $2,500 bond. Now, Mobley told the police that she had been sleeping on the streets, has multiple battery arrests, but does not have any convictions. Well, she's soon going to have one. Don't be assaulting your mother over your grits, okay? I bet Ella knows how to make grits, and how dare you do that? Anyway, Miss Mobley, you are a dumb criminal of the day. Congratulations. I bet the next time you eat some grits, you'll think about the last time you grabbed some grits from mom, won't you? That's all we have for you today. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you next time on Crime Talk.